Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's up, friends and family? My name's Nathan. Great to see you. If you're joining us online, thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, even though you can't be in the room, you're still family to us, so we'd love to see you sometime soon. Here's a quick question for you. What stresses you out? <laughs> Some of you are like, how long do you have? <laughs> what stresses you out? Um, I, uh, one of the things that's maybe common in here, I know, I know this stresses me out, but uh, when I go to the doctor or the dentist office, I get stressed out. Like, this is so common that there's actually a, a, a phrase for it. It's called white coat syndrome. I asked my doctor about this, and he's like, yeah, it's a real thing. Like, I don't know, for some reason, some people, when they go to the doctor, when they go to the dentist, all of their vitals just go up. Heart rate, all, all of the numbers, like, you just get nervous and you get anxious. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, I went to my doctor, and I walked in, and he took my blood pressure, and he's like, uh, Nathan, your blood pressure is a little bit higher than what I'd like for it to be. And that's when I told him, I was like, well, listen, doctor, I have white coat syndrome. All of my numbers are elevated. I'm nervous that you're going to give me a shot or tell me some bad news. And so, like, I'm nervous. And he's like, well, I know we've talked about white coat syndrome before, uh, and I know that's real, but there's also another number that's elevated in your life, and that's your weight. And I feel like those two things might be connected. And so I was like, <laughs> you're proving my point, doctor. <laughs> I have white coat syndrome. All of my numbers rise when I come in here. You think I weigh this much all the time? No. It's just when I walked in here. Like, you are literally making my point for me. Listen to me. You ever tried to explain something medical to a doctor? I'm sure they love that. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to tell them, I was like, this is not my real weight. It's just my weight in here because I'm nervous. And so my blood pressure's high, and the numbers are just off the chart. I don't know if you feel like that. I don't know why it is, but it's pretty common. Um, another thing, another reason why some people get stressed out is um, when things don't go as planned, okay? We got any planners in the house? Whew, man. Uh, like 2020 was bad for planners. Uh, school gets canceled, and events get canceled, and like the new norm, like it was just a struggle. If you like structure, and you like things planned out and written out and carried out to a T, then that was, that was really, really tough uh, for you. So uh, when you get stressed out, what happens? Like what, what happens to you? Some people have like physical reactions uh, to stress. Palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. Like things happen. <laughs> oh man, things happen to you on the outside. Uh, some people, there happens on the inside, like their blood pressure goes up or, or they, they, their heart rate increases. Um, I know some people um, react to stress in their life. They're aggressive drivers, uh, anybody in here an aggressive driver? Like, like my wife knows when something's on my mind or I'm frustrated about something because when we're in the car, like I'm, I'm uh, exceeding the speed limit. I'm cutting people off. I'm using my horn a lot. And uh, she's like, are you okay? Are you nervous? Are you stressed about something? And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're an aggressive uh, driver. For some people, it's stress eating, right? 
Speaking of numbers, um, stress eating was a thing that a lot of people did in 2020. Like we just, and I'm not knocking it, man. Like 2020, we needed carbs. <laughs> we needed lots of carbs to get through what we were going through in 2020. It used to be the freshman 15. Now I'm calling it the 15 of quarantine, okay? Like all of your friends that haven't come back to church yet, it's because they gained a 15 of quarantine and they're, they're nervous about it. And it's making them anxious that they're going to show back up 15 pounds heavier. And so like that's, if that's you online, come back. We love you, fat or not. Like, we love you. Just come on back. Uh, you can worry about that later. You can lose it later. Um, what happens? Like, our, our body responds in very different ways. And, and uh, stress and anxiety actually impact the things that we do. Um, I, there's a, a convenience store down the road from my house that I frequent a lot. And, and I was asking the, the owners, I said, man, last year, what were the things that people were going crazy over? Like, what were the things that you just couldn't keep on the shelves? And, and they said, like right now, I remember in 2020, it was um, uh, hand sanitizer, it was toilet paper, and it was cleaning products. Like all of that Clorox. Well, they, they recently donated a bunch of hand sanitizer to, to the church because they're like, we can't get rid of hand sanitizer now. Like nobody wants it. And I said, well, 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 what's the new thing in 2021? The thing that's just flying off the shelf. And he said, you know what we can't keep on the shelves? Alcohol. <laughs> and he said, it's not because people are less anxious. It's because people are just as anxious and now they're trying to figure out a way to cope with it. And so we can't, we can't keep alcohol on the shelf. It just, as soon as you put it out, it's gone. And they're, they're going from place to place trying to look for, for the next thing to help them cope with what's going on. So what is the deal with anxiety? What's the deal with worry? Do you know why so many of us worry and why so many people struggle with anxiety? I think that is one of the most frequently asked questions of people that uh, are people of faith or people that are exploring faith. And I'll tell you why I know that's one of the most frequently asked questions. Because of the Bible app. I don't know if you have the Bible app, but if you go to the app store, you can download it on your phone, on your tablet. Over 5 million people have downloaded this app. You get all kinds of different versions uh, on, on your phone. Uh, but they put a year in review out at the end of every year. And uh, so I was reading the 2020 year in review from the Bible app. And here's what it says. They, they show you what is the most frequently searched verse, what's the most frequently highlighted verse, and what is the most frequently shared verse among users of the app. Almost 5 million people in America, guess what theme or topic was all time for the, for the past 12 months was the most searched, the most highlighted, and the most shared. It was all in one topic. You know what it was? Worry. More people that have the Bible out searched, what does the Bible say about worry and anxiety more than any other verse out of the 5 million people that have downloaded that app? So many people are, are looking for that. So what's the question that we're going to tackle today? It's what's the deal with worry? What's the deal with anxiety? Why do so many people struggle with it? Man, so many people, me, you, people in watching online, like we all struggle with it. And what's the deal with it? What, what are we going to do about it? Now I want to clarify something because there's a difference in worry and anxiety and being concerned, right? Um, showing concern for something is natural. It's what all of us do. It's what all of us should do. We should be concerned about things that happen in our life and what goes on around the world. But let me show you where it goes south, where it moves from concern to something unhealthy. Worry and anxiety is when your concern begins to control you. It's when your concern 
keeps you up at night and you can't sleep. When you're so worried about something that you can't eat, or on the opposite end, you're so anxious about something you can't stop eating. It's crunchy stuff and sweet stuff and snacks and junk food and all hours of the night, just like I'm just trying to get something off of my mind. Concern is something that moves to an unhealthy state when, when we begin to look for things to help us cope with the things that we can't control. If your concerns have led you to a point where you've realized you are totally out of control, that you can't control what goes on in your life or in the world around you, that's a red flag that you're concern has moved to something that's more serious. This turned into worry and anxiety. And I want to clarify one more thing before we get started. Um, I'm not talking about a, a chemical imbalance, right? I don't know, some pastors, some churches may say, I don't believe in doctors, I don't believe in medication. Like, that's not what team we're on. Uh, like, I believe God uses doctors and medication. Man, like, if, they, if there's a chemical imbalance in your body, then like, address it, man. Like, that's like, just utilize the stuff that we have. Don't be afraid of medication or doctors. It, you, it's not that you love Jesus less or you have less faith. Like that's not what it is. When I talk about anxiety and worry and when scripture talks about that, I'm talking about your mind. What keeps you up at night? The thoughts that replay and then begin to affect your physical life and your emotional life and your spiritual life and all the way down. That's what scripture tells us about the thoughts that control your mind. The things that no matter how hard you try not to be concerned with them, it just runs and runs and runs. You ever felt that way? Like you just can't turn your brain off? No matter how hard you try, you just sit in the bed at night and it just same things keep running over and over and over and over in your mind. Scripture actually tells us about that. Uh, so I wanna start with Jesus. Jesus tells us and talks to us about worry and anxiety in Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, let's do Luke chapter 12 to start out with or open it up on your phone, check it out on the screen. Here's what Jesus said. Then Jesus says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or about your body. Jesus is like, quarantine 15, don't worry about it. It'll go away. Or what you, that's not what he meant. By what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, right? Jesus says, let me give you a story. Let me give you an illustration. There's, there's birds that fly in there. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, no microwave, no refrigerator, no pantry. These birds don't have any of that. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. See, in these first two verses, Jesus actually gives us two of the main causes of worry. Like you may be thinking like what causes you to worry and maybe you're thinking finances or job or health or what's going on in culture. But really Jesus boils it down to, to, to this. The first thing is this, here's the cause of the anxiety and the worry that we have so much in life. Number one is this, we forget about God. When you forget about God and who he is and the promises that he has in his word, then we begin to worry and we begin to get anxious. Jesus reminds us, he's like, hey guys, can you just remember that uh, God, the creator of the world, he's the one that sustains the world. And, and like just, just even the birds, right? They don't work. They don't, they don't do anything for themselves, like, but God still takes care of them. God provides for them. They're, they're not, they don't wake up in the morning worried about, oh man, what am I gonna do about this? What kind of clothes am I gonna wear? What food am I gonna eat? Like God just provides for them. And if he'll do that for birds, don't you know how much he loves you? 
how much he cares for you. See, Jesus is saying, hey, don't forget about who God is. Don't forget about the promises of God. Don't forget about the times in the past where God has provided, where God has made a way. You're standing here today, and come on, if you were to look back on your life, hasn't God always provided? Hasn't he always been there? Hasn't he always made a way even when you didn't know what the way was going to be? But when we begin to worry and get anxious in our life, we forget about what God has promised. We forget about who God is. Later on in this chapter, uh, Jesus says a really familiar verse that maybe you've heard before. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and then all those other things, all those things you're anxious about, all those things you're worried about, all of the other things that you need, God will provide. But you just put God first. Jesus says that's the second cause of anxiety and worry. Uh, sometimes we cause that in our lives when we, number two, we get our priorities mixed up. If we begin to put other things in front of God and put God second, third, or fourth in our life, then you'll notice the further God gets away from the top of your life, the more your life feels like it begins to crumble. The more you begin to be consumed with worry. When you put other things first, then here's what that does. It elevates you to the top of your life. When you put your job in front of Jesus, it puts your job before God. And like, I gotta be honest with you, your job is a crummy God. When we put our finances in front of God, when we make money more important in our life, then, then like, here's the deal. Money becomes the God of our life, and money is a terrible God. It will let you down every single time. You will never have enough. You will never be able to keep it. And so as our priorities get mixed up, and we put ourselves, here's the worst one, when we put ourselves as God in our own lives, like, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't want to discourage you, but if, if I looked out on you and I realized that you were in charge, I would be worried too. Like, if my life was in your hands, I would be freaking out right now. Like, there's absolutely, if you have made yourself the God of your life, no wonder you're anxious. You're a terrible God. You got nothing. You got no power. You're not smart at all. You have no idea what the future holds. And so some of us, because we've got our priorities confused and mixed up, no wonder we're so anxious. And Jesus says, seek first God, what he wants, his purpose, his plan, his kingdom, and he'll work out all the other details. You don't need to worry about that. So Jesus lays out those causes and, and some of the things that we struggle with. And, and so now, like now we know, like from this point forward, uh, we, don't, we don't need to worry anymore. We don't need to be anxious. When we feel like that's creeping in, then number one, we make sure God's our top priority. And then number two, we, we remember God. We don't forget about God. So there we go. We got the plan moving forward. Here's the only problem. What if we're nervous right now? <laughs> I'm not talking about in the future. What if you're dealing with anxiety now? What if you're worried right now? What if you're overwhelmed right now? What if you can't sleep tonight? What if like there's, like some of you are anxious right now because I said anxiety <laughs> and it made you think about what you were thinking about last night when you couldn't sleep. And it made you think about all the things that like, man, I thought I was gonna come in here and not worry about what I was worrying about. But this guy's reminding me that I have a bunch to worry about. He's reminding me about all of my anxieties every time he says the word anxiety and worry. What do we do about those? So here's what I'm going to do. I want to go back to those verses in Scripture that were the most looked up, the most shared, the most highlighted, the most read on all of the Bible app last year. And I think there are, there are four things that I want to share with you, four really practical things. Check this out. I think if you can 
implement these four things this week, I believe, like no magic pill, no, no potion, I believe implement these four things and you'll see your anxiety regress. I think these will be good reminders that we read as people all over the world searched, what does God say? What does the Bible say? What does Jesus say about going through what I'm going through in my life right now? And how this anxiety rolls in. This passage most searched is Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 starting in verse 6. I think this is going to be really enlightening for you and really help you get through what you're going through right now. Listen to what Paul says, right? Pretty similar to what Jesus said in Luke. He starts out like this. Do not be anxious about anything. (laughs) Like he just lays it out right there. Like I think it's interesting that Paul doesn't even say worry about the big stuff, but don't worry about the small stuff. Because I don't know if you've read that book before. Like there's this book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Right? And so we, we've convinced ourselves, hey, the majority of the things that we go through are small things. And so you don't need to worry about those things. But there are some big things that happen in life that are totally acceptable to worry about. Like they are, it is perfectly fine to be anxious about the big, big things in our life. But that's not what Paul says. Paul gets straight up. He says, don't worry about anything. Worry or be anxious about nothing. Well, here's the difference, right? Like Paul did not have 24-hour news. Paul did not have social media. Paul didn't even know what was going on in his own neighborhood, much less all the way around the world. So obviously this doesn't apply to us anymore because we are so different. Like what does Paul know about worry? Well, let me give you a little background of where Paul is when he writes the book of Philippians. Paul is a 60-year-old man in jail. He's in jail because of his faith. And the man that has Paul's life in his hands is an emperor called Nero who hates Christians. And he knows that if he kills Christians, it makes his people love him even more. Paul is like the leader of this Christian church movement in the New Testament. And so Paul is like enemy number one. He's like the MVP on the kill list for Nero. And Paul is in jail. And he writes a crazy word like, I don't want you to be anxious about anything. I would argue that Paul had more reason to be anxious than you and I ever will. His life could die, it could could be taken from him at any moment because one guy just makes the word. One guy named Nero who already hates him and hates Jesus and all the Christians and all the churches. All Nero has to give is one word and Paul gets executed on the spot. And in the midst of that kind of anxiety, that kind of worry, that kind of threat, Paul pins these words, guys, I don't want you to worry about anything. Paul actually seems like he had a lot to worry about. It's interesting. I I read an article the other day that um, millennial, the millennial generation is the most stressed and anxious generation of all time. What's mind-blowing to me is that, is, is that we are, I'm a millennial, we are even more anxious than what we refer to as the greatest generation, the people that fought and won World War II and had bread lines and ran out of food and water. Like, hello. Like, I'm anxious because my Wi-Fi is low. Like, these people went to war. And they, like, stood in lines because they didn't know where any food was. And yet, for some reason, our generation is the most anxious of any generation that's ever lived in America. It's crazy. 
But Paul's response to that is, I do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul says, anytime worry comes into your life, it's an invitation to pray. Like consider that next time you're worried about something and you, you, you can't sleep and you can't eat or you can't stop eating or however you respond to it. Anytime that happens in your life, just like picture in your mind that you're walking out to your mailbox and there's an official letter, there's an invitation in the mailbox and you open it up and it's like God is inviting you because you're worrying, because you're anxious, because you can't sleep. God is inviting you right now. Here you are cordially invited to pray. It's powerful that that Paul says, hey, if you're worried, you don't need to worry. But if you are, here's what you need to do. Just just pray. The first thing that I want you to write down is is this. It's an acronym uh, to stay calm, right? It's C-A-L-M is what I want you to write down. The first one is this. uh, The C stands for control. When you're anxious, when you're worried, you need to stop and take a moment and remind yourself who is in control. In your life and in my life and in the world that we live in, God is in control. I'll go back to it. If if you were the one that was in control of this life, I would be worried too. I'd be losing my mind if all of this was up to you. But it's not. And so in those times where we're anxious and we're worried, we have to remind yourself, I can't control anything. I can't control what happens across the street, much less across the world. I can't control what people do. I can't control what people say. I can't control the market or the housing or my own job. I can't control any of this. So instead of me trying to be in control and just losing my mind over it, why don't I zone in on who actually has control? Who's in control in your life? One of the things that that sometimes I do when I feel like life is going out of control is I stop and like, all right, God, you got this. It's not me. I'm not in control. I cannot do anything to change this. I can't do anything to to do something different with this. Like this is way above my pay grade. God, you're going to have to handle this. So it's on you, not me anymore. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Paul says this. Jesus says this. Man, we got to remember who's in control. The second one is this, the A in in calm. So we relinquish control to God. And second, Paul says, you got to ask. You got to pray. You got to bring your requests to God. When you are worried, when you are concerned, he says, by prayer and petition, bringing with thanksgiving, bring these things to God. Talk to God about what you're going through. I know that makes me feel better. Like when, if I can sit down with somebody and when life is crazy and it's off the hinges and there's questions that I don't have answers to and I don't know what the future holds, I get nervous. Like it does me good just to sit down with someone and talk to them about it just to get it off my chest. We're not gonna solve any problems, but it just feels good, like just to verbalize it. And did you know that you have an invitation to do that with God all the time? At any time, you can just verbally like, God, I got some things on my mind, man. I, like there's some things I need to get off my chest. I just need to say them to you, man. Like I, I, need, I need to verbalize these things so that I can process them. Paul says, first, relinquish control realize who's in control. Number two, ask and pray. See, prayer is the difference. This is good, man. Prayer is the difference between what you can do and what God can do. Before you pray, your life is totally up to you. After you pray, it becomes the difference between what you can do and what God can do. Ask, he says, pray with prayers and petitions. Bring these things to God. Verse seven, he keeps going. He says, and the the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. The, the L here is leave it with God. So you're going to understand who's in control. You're going to ask, you're going to pray, have a conversation. But, but third, there's got to be a point where the burdens that you carry, the anxieties, the worries, the emotions, the, the, the angst in your life, you just got to learn to leave it with God. Because Paul talks about like there's a transaction. Did you catch that? He says, here's what you have in verse six. You have problems and you have pains and you have worries. He says, if you will give those to God, you just wrap that up, put it in a box. You say, God, here, not my problem. You deal with it. Verse seven says, here's what God does. He takes those from you. He takes your pains, your anxieties, your worries, your cares. And in exchange, he gives you his peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know if there's anybody in here that if you were given the choice between being anxious and worried and feeling out of control or having the peace of God that transcends all of understanding, I don't know who's going to pick worry. Like, why, why would you want to carry that burden by yourself? Why would you want to continue to be anxious about it when God says, here's the deal, you give me that and I'll give you peace. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's beyond understanding. You're not even going to be able to understand why, even in the midst of turmoil, you still have this peace. Because Paul makes it very clear. I mean, again, this guy is writing from prison. He's on his death row right here. Peace is not an absence of crisis. Peace is when Jesus is in the midst of your crisis. And that's what he promises here. He says, you swap your anxiety, you swap your worry, and God, in exchange, will give you peace. Man, that's a really good deal, right? I mean, like, if you're ready to make a deal, if you're ready for peace, and Jesus looks and says, yeah, in order to get that peace, you have to give me those things that you're worried about, the things that are keeping you up, the things that are stressing you out. Like, I'm in. Like, I'm in. Sign me up. I'm ready to trade that for God's peace. But I know what some of you may be thinking, because you're type A like me, you don't like to give up control, Right? You're not sure because if you give it up to God, what if God drops the ball and then I'm going to have to pick up the pieces? Like, I don't want to leave it with him if he can't handle it. Well, there's a few verses in scripture that, that remind us what God can do if we're willing to do this. Paul says one of them in chapter 1, verse 6 of Philippians. He says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, there's sometimes that you need to be reminded that where you are right now was started by God, and there's a finish line, and whatever God starts, he finishes. He doesn't quit in the middle. He doesn't leave anybody stranded. If God started it, then he will finish it. That's why you can leave it with him. God never ends up short. God never stops in the middle. If he starts it in your life, then he will finish it. So don't quit in the dip. Don't stop in the middle. These promises from scripture that remind us of this. Psalm 139, verse 16 reminds us of this. David said, your eyes saw my unformed body. Listen to this. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Did you know that the whole story of your life is already known by God? Not a single thing is gonna happen in your life that God doesn't already know about. So let me tell you this. If you knew that there was a person that had every detail of your life already written, I'm not talking about the ones that have already happened. I'm talking about every detail, every day of your future, every decision that you have to make, every hardship you're going to face, every aspect, every hour of your day. If you knew that someone had that written down, would you be willing to relinquish control to them? 
Would you be willing to trust the one that knew every single thing that you would ever face in your life? Would you be comfortable leaving your cares and anxieties? Not with you. You don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. But with God, the one that has every day already scripted out, knows the beginning to the end. That's good news. If that's who God is, when we remember and we don't forget that that's who God is, that he has a plan for our life, it makes it so much easier for us to take our cares, our anxieties, our worries, and give them to God. The one that has written the whole thing, leave it with him. Like Give it, give it to him. Here's how Paul closes it out. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, then I want you to think about such things. Think about, Paul says, here's the M in calm. When you're dealing with anxiety and worry, the M is meditate on good things. Yeah, everybody in here, you can meditate, you can think about, you can be consumed with the worst possible scenario, the out of a hundred things that could happen, the 99 that aren't going to happen, you could obsess over that. You can be, well, what if this and then this, and then it just snowballs. Or you can choose to meditate and think about different things. You can remind yourself, you know what? God's always made a way. It hadn't always been easy, but he's always made a way. God's never stopped caring. God's never stopped loving. God's never stopped in the middle. He's always seen me across the finish line. I am who I am today because God has orchestrated it all together. God works all things for the good of those who love and follow him. So many reminders. We can meditate on those things instead of being consumed with the things that are out of our control. That there's nothing that we can do about anyway. The things that drive us to worry and to be anxious in our life. Since uh, travel has opened back up, uh, I've had the opportunity to, to get on a plane and speak at some events over the past six months. And, uh, but I, I'll be honest with you, like I am not, like planes are not my jam, okay? Like I don't like planes. I, there's just something about, I don't know how in the world they get up and how they get down and how they stay up and uh, like how it all works and uh, everything that could go wrong. So like I'm one of those guys that, that gets a little bit anxious on a plane. And, and uh, some of you may have heard this story before, uh, but I was on a plane one time and it was the, uh, it was the worst turbulence I'd ever, ever experienced. And uh, it, it was an instance where the plane actually dropped some, like not just a little shaking, like this joker dropped. And when it dropped and it, and it finally caught, like the, 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 the hit was so hard that the overhead compartments, a couple of them opened up, right? And like now is sheer flat out panic time, right? Even the atheist on the plane are like, dear God, <laughs> if you are there, please help me. And so like, I'm, like it got so bad when it dropped, when the plane dropped, the, the compartment, the overhead compartment, some of them flew open and bags were falling out of it, man. There was, I heard there was an audible scream. It sounded like a little girl screaming in the back of the plane. Uh, true story, it was actually me. It sounded like a little girl, but I screamed. I'm not scared of it. I'm not even gonna lie, man. I screamed like a little girl. And then, but I saw something my, like, it was one of these planes where the, the airline stewardess is, is actually sitting in a seat that is facing the rest of the plane, right? The rest of the passengers. And like, 
So to me, now's the time to panic. Like, we got suitcases. There's little girls screaming, little girls screaming in the back. And like, so they're losing their mind and suitcases are falling down. And I look up and this stewardess is sitting in this seat and she's doing a crossword puzzle. And like, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to think, you're not valuing my life enough. Like, you're not, I'm reaching for the life vest. I'm flying from South Carolina to Texas, heads up, no water, but I'm still trying to put a life vest on. Like, I'm like, what is going on here? And she's doing a crossword puzzle. And then I start getting aggravated at her. I was like, well, you look like you're trying to look for the word to the crossword puzzle. Well, let me guess, is the clue, what is the bad way to die? Because the answer is plane crash, okay? Like, snap out of it. Come on, help us. Suitcases are falling. She's just doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, the captain comes over to the intercom. He says, uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize about that. We're flying through a bit of turbulence. It's um, completely natural, but sometimes the, the pressure like that will make uh, the plane dip. And so it's everything's under control. Um, we are good. And his pilot went on to say like he's been flying planes for 15 or 20 years now. And he says, man, you don't have anything to worry about it. I'm going to get us to the final destination. And um, if someone could tell that small girl that screamed that everything's going to be okay, uh, then please uh, calm her down. Uh, help him find her mom or whatever. <laughs> then it dawned on me. It's like, yeah, there's there's somebody else in control. There's a pilot of this plane that knows what they're doing. And even though I seem to be losing my mind, the pilot seems to be really steady and calm. Who's piloting your life? Because if it's you, it is absolutely time to panic. You need to hit the glass and pull the fire alarm down. It is time to lose your mind because you don't know what anything happens. You don't know what's going on anywhere. You don't know what happens tomorrow. So if you're in control, if you're flying in your life, now is the time to locate the parachute. But if you would remind yourself that God knows what he's doing, that God is in control, that God has a plan, that God not only has a plan for today, but he has a plan to get you to where you are taking him that this is not new to him, that he is not losing his mind, that he's not anxious, that he's not worried. I'm telling you, the moment that you realize that, your anxieties and your worries begin to fade away. Because even though there were suitcases laying everywhere and straps hanging down from the, the overhead compartment, as soon as that pilot's calm voice came over the radio, I began to sit back in my seat and be calm. I was like, okay, we're gonna make it. Everything's gonna be okay. This book is an outline of a pilot that comes onto the radio and says, hey, I have a plan. You can trust me. I know things seem crazy sometimes. I know things seem out of control. In fact, in this world, you will face many trials, many hardships, many difficulties. You will have many things to be concerned or worried about, but take heart for I have overcome the world. You have a pilot that knows what he's doing. Why don't you let him fly the plane? When you do that, when you decide to let God in control, watch how your anxieties and your worries begin to fade away. It's not a magic pill. It's not gonna happen overnight. But over time, if you'll do these things, if you will stay calm, if you will let God pilot the plane, if you will let him steer your life every day, 
you would realize that he's in control. Every day, if you would take whatever anxieties and worries creep up, if you would just pray, you would just ask, just throw those onto him. God, there's some things I gotta get off my chest. God, there's some things I need to talk to you about. If you'll do that, if you will leave those things with him and meditate on the promises of who he is and on his word, I'm telling you, it's, it's a, an incredible way. This week, put those things into practice and watch what God does with your anxieties and your worries. Leave it to him. Leave it up to him. He's in control. Let me pray for you. Yeah, that's good news. <laughs> that's good news. <laughs> what a good reminder that you have a plan and that you're powerful enough to execute the plan, that you love us enough to not leave us in the middle, that there is someone that we can turn to and in the midst of our chaos, we can understand that you never lost control. You never were unseated from the throne. And even that, you don't, you don't look at us and just say, well, well, suck it up and figure it out. You say, no, nah, if you got a problem, if your heart is burdened, if you're worried, if you're anxious, just pray. Anytime you want to, just call out to me. Let's have a conversation. Just, just bring your cares and worries and your burdens and place them on me. God, what a gift. God, teach us how to leave these things with you, to, to take that transaction of giving you our pains and worries and our emotions and our fears and, and exchange them for the peace of God that, that, that transcends all understanding. God, help us to know that, to lean into that, and to meditate on who you are, the promises from your word. God, give us the wisdom and the courage to know what to do with the text and the words that we have just heard. I ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.